What's up, everyone, and welcome to Through the Veil. I'm your host, Alex Nelson, and in today's episode, we are going to dive deep with my good friend, Kyle Dow, who is an entrepreneur, a rock climber, and also a fellow member of the Fit for Service Mastermind that I am in. This episode is super, super deep. We go into detail about our recent Toronto retreat that he was one of the speakers at, as well as talk about different ways to reframe the way that you look at your life to be more effective and generally happier. We also have a couple spoken word pieces we put into this episode, so I hope you enjoy those. And if you do enjoy this episode, please remember to give a five-star rating and a review on iTunes, and to hit that subscribe button. That way you'll get updated anytime a new episode of the show comes out. Without any further ado, let's jump right into the episode. Boom, and we're live. So, Kyle, welcome to Through the Veil. Thank you for being on. Um... Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, um, glad to have you here. If you can just give a quick, you know, couple of sentence intro of yourself, kind of who you are, what you do, and maybe a little bit about how we know each other. Yeah, certainly. So my name is Kyle Dow. Alex and I met through the Aubrey Marcus Fit for Service Mastermind Program. Um, I am a rock climbing guide and entrepreneur. So I have a rock climbing business called the Hedon Rock Tours but uh, I've had some greater realizations as of late and part of my purpose is to help people heal themselves as we navigate this thing we call life. Beautiful. And uh, I think we'll open with one thing that we just had, you'd helped me and our mutual friend Kave co-host a retreat up in Toronto just a couple of weeks ago. And you had this beautiful spoken word piece and written piece um, that you used to kick off your workshop. So I thought it'd be a beautiful way for us to start this, if you could just read that off. Yeah, certainly, I'd love to. I want to be in relationship with as many things on earth as possible. The truth of this resonates. When we think of relationship, our minds often turn to the idea of romantic relationship. But really, I'm in a relationship with each of you. I'm in a relationship with nature and the world around me. And I'm in a relationship with myself. The foundation of relationship is connection. And as a, as a society, our connection is broken. The problem is that we've reduced ourselves to a very human experience in a more than human world. An interesting hypothesis is that the advent of language is what separated us from the rest of consciousness. Before language, we lived not in our minds, but in our senses. Our great ancestors knew a tree as a vibrant, beautiful, nourishing, and supportive piece of life. They knew its essence, how it felt, and with that, they coexisted in symbiosis. As soon as it became labeled a tree, it was over there, and we were over here. We denied the animism of all things with each label given. The same thing happened to us when we became eyes. The problem is now so endemic that we've labeled ourselves anxious, lonely, sad, depressed, and we've completely forgotten that we're actually unique expressions of the universe. Humans are now walking around as personifications of their emotions, and we're trying to cope with the burdens of being alive without the help of community. 
in the worst scenarios, were diminished to biological survival, just trying to make it through each day as people suffer with guilt, grief, sorrow, and shame. It's a cyclical phenomenon as a lot of these emotions are subconsciously rooted in the disconnected self. We see the pressures of society sitting squarely on our shoulders, thinking that we have to bear the stress alone, especially if we're going against convention. Mainstream society as we know it crushes the human spirit. So what can we do about all this? We need a why. Nietzsche said that if we know the why, we can endure almost any how. The why is something bigger than ourselves that gets us through those really tough days when we're left feeling very human. My why is to lead by example by connecting to myself, connecting to others, and connecting to nature. This will help myself and others remember. This isn't easy, but it is simple. We're looking for all these external solutions and in the process we're hiding from ourselves. It's like we're racing to the finish line without ever knowing where the start is. The solution is to stop seeking. It's all right here before us. But to see this, we need to get beyond emotional reactivity. To get beyond emotional reactivity, we have to heal our traumas and our wounds. We have layers upon layers of gunk that has accumulated over the years. We have generational gunk. We have past lifetime gunk. As we're buried in layers, layers of gunk, it inhibits us from transcending to a state of love. To get there, we have to intentionally look at our shit, eliminating the negative valence by seeing that there's great learning to be found in the darkness. We have to create space to grieve and face our demons because if we don't face them, we banish them to the dungeon of our soul where they sit there doing fucking deadlifts waiting for us. That sounds terrifying. It sounds uncomfortable. But the great news is that we don't have to do it alone. We can tap into that connection. We can turn to nature where we're loved unconditionally. If you ever feel unloved, go sit by the water and try to tell me it's not soothing. Go for a walk in the woods and tell me that it doesn't ground you and settle your mind. The elements, nature, are literally what we're made of. We have to remember. To help with the strife of emotional and societal deconditioning, we can gather in community where we are supported, where we could stop defending our defenses. We can enter these safe containers of non-judgment where we can be in our true expression and discover ourselves in the eyes of another. With the support of nature and others, we build the resilience to look internally, past all the gunk, to the heart of our true self so we could grow and develop the spirit. To act with authenticity and confidence in our journey, we have to open our heart. It doesn't take faith to go down this path, it takes courage. It takes courage to get a little messy. It takes courage to feel all the things yet not identify as our emotions. A feeling fully felt is bliss, and that's what our experience truly is. We've just forgotten under the label of humans. To remember, we seek out peak experiences that are found in meditation, in breath work, in climbing that goddamn mountain, in travel, in dance, in art, in love, in entheogens. These experiences give us data points on where we stand relative to the universe. In these moments, we see the truth that what we normally are aware of is a tiny fragment of the vastness of existence. We recognize that our essence is far greater than our human is. In this remembering, we can settle into the majesty, the magnificence, and the wonder of what it means to be alive, to be a part of it all. And this is what I'm stepping into. 
this is my why, to embody loving awareness and in doing so help others wake up. You're welcome to join me. This is it, the reason to do the work, the reason to do those spiritual deadlifts, to face those demons. In developing a relationship with ourselves, we deepen our relationship with others and we establish an open relationship with all of consciousness. This is our birthright. We are avatars of divine beings. And to recognize this, to ascend to the dimensions of pure consciousness and love, we have to surrender and get, over, get out of our own way. We have to detach from our emotions and reactivity. We have to forgive ourselves and others. We have to integrate and be whole. We have to fucking love. And if we could accomplish this and get a taste of true bliss, we'll recognize the limitations of language that there's no real word for it. Embodiment is better than articulation. When we get there, walking around in a higher vibration with an open heart, those around us will sense it and begin to awaken. Beautiful. I need a, I need an audience uh, applause track for that. <laughs> <laughs> for that beautiful piece of work <laughs> i think the stillness is nice after it so people can just kind of sink mm -hmm. into it you know absolutely but thank you. yeah i think so it's interesting that being i've listened to the audio you put into one of our group chats twice now and then hearing it live once here that one thing that immediately jumps into mind was a I don't know what you want to call it, a, a waking dream I had um, after a psychedelic ceremony where one of the problems I've often grappled with is that it almost it, we as an individual can't help everybody. And the process in your stated mission and in my own mission of helping others is that's a painful, a painful fact to come into contact with because I'm sure you've ran into someone before in your life and I've definitely ran into people where it's like, I just can't help this person. No matter what I do, I'm not the person to help this person. And as you're, you're talking about how we have this gunk that we're unburdening from ourselves that we're taking off, I'm reminded of this vision I had after a psychedelic ceremony where it's like there's a timeline that you're walking down. As you're walking down this timeline, everyone's a certain amount along the path. And as you get towards the end of the path, which is, you know, complete collective consciousness, enlightenment, whatever the fuck you want to call it, whatever terminology you want to use, it's almost as if your body becomes lit up in this like bright golden white light. And as you take off these layers of generational trauma and take off these layers of gunk that are dimming your light you become brighter and brighter and brighter but what stuck out to me about the vision and helped me to grapple with some of this issue is that oftentimes the person who is very far down the path is too bright to look at for the person who's right at the beginning of the path because if you're stuck in absolute abject poverty and drug addiction and abuse and whatever else may be going on it's hard to look at the person who has all of their shit together and you know you're naturally going to go must be nice things come easy to other people 
but what stuck out to me about that vision was that it's not our job to help everyone. It's our job to help those directly around us. And it's our job to continue to unburden ourselves because if I reach a hand back to the person just behind me and help them forward, then they can reach their hand back to the person just before them and so on and so forth. And I think the way you put it is, is so beautiful that it's a, it's a coming into contact with a knowing of ourselves and some of these psychedelic and meditation and dance experiences can give us a glimpse of what it's like to be that fully lit up being we can have a moment where we're just completely free we're in the moment and we're exactly who we're supposed to be for just a brief second and then we have a set point we have a data point to aim at and we go okay that's what i'm aiming at but it's such a difficult i shouldn't say difficult as, as you said it's it's simple but not easy it's a practice every day, even if it's ideologically simple, this is what you should do. It, it's such a practice every day. So I guess I'm just curious your, your thoughts on that and what do you do every day or what have you been doing every day to continue, continue forward on your path and continue to wake up? Yeah, well, thank you for relaying that message because it's something I thought about often is that we can't help everybody. That's just the reality of the situation. But ultimately, our responsibility is to ourselves to be in our truth, be in our true essence. And these peak experiences give us a glimpse of that. And then, like you said, now we have a data point. We have something to strive through. So in these positions where we're blown wide open and it's like we're embodying unconditional love. It's like, great, how do I maintain that? Uh, something else that I want to touch on is the fact that you're saying the person at the end of the spectrum and the person at the beginning of the, the spectrum, there's no relatability there. And I've seen that, like I've seen people who are um, more complete and whole individuals encounter people who still have a lot of work to do. And there's like this polarity between them, right? This massive resistance to the point where it's almost tangible. So this is something that we can be aware of as we interact with people. And it's not that they have to be receptive to us if that's the situation. But again, in being true to ourselves, we have to practice unconditional love. So respecting where they're at in their process, in the position they're at along the path, because we've been there. And perhaps it hasn't even been in this lifetime. Like I believe in a natural progression, a soul progression as we travel through these life experiences, these human experiences. And so if we are fortunate enough and we are fortunate to just be in, um, you know, North America, that's, that's a, a fortune in its own to have these blessings to live in a first world country where we don't have to worry about a lot of the things that a lot of the world does have to worry about. Hmm. That is an integration of our progression. And then we're in this position of res responsibility. It's like, okay, what are we going to do now? Well, let's lead by example. And so to answer your actual question, uh, what do I do on a daily basis? Um, I meditate. Uh, which cultivates mindfulness. And for me, it's just a process of checking in. And in any given moment, our heart could be contracting or expanding. 
right? And so in contracting, we are severing this connection, not only to ourselves, but to the world around us and to source, if that's what we could call it, to spirit, like the unicity of all things. And in these moments of anger and frustration and judgment and jealousy, we were literally cutting off that bridge to the divine, if you will. So that's in these moments, we're not going to intuit anything. We're not going to get downloads. We're not going to be able to practice compassion with people. Um, so just being aware of those things is what mm -hmm. I try to do in a, on a daily basis. And really spending time in nature is super, super important for me. And it's such medicine. And I think it's such medicine for everybody. And a lot of people, like I was suggesting, we've forgotten that these are like sentient things around us and that we do have a connection and a relationship to them. So people really need to spend more time in nature, I would say. Um, and, and that could like create a shift just on its own. And I will provide a caveat that as I uh, express these, these ideals, I'm certainly not always walking around in a blissed out state. <laughs> try to get me to install a dishwasher like I did the right. other day and watch me freak the fuck out. Yeah. So yeah, those are my thoughts on that. That's beautiful. I, I'm, so there's a concept in South American shamanism specifically, maybe other areas of shamanism too, but South American shamanism for sure called the hollow bone. And the idea of the hollow bone is that you are a clear and empty vessel with no blockages that causes negative things to get lodged inside of you. And they, they talk about it in the context of plant medicine ceremonies, which is the idea that you should come into the ceremony if you're the one facilitating and you should sort of be clear of your own shit so that you can actually be showing up to help other people work on their stuff. But I've found it as a very useful metaphor for everyone in that similar to what you're talking about, if we can clear some of these internal blockages that we have emotionally, even physically, then as we find ourselves more and more in our truth, then stuff can just come through and positive emotions can just come through because we, when we're in that contraction state, we put these internal dams up and we just ruminate on these negative thoughts or we ruminate on, you know, fuck that guy. He cut me off and fuck you. And, uh, and you get this sort of just like looping thought because you're not open. You're not hollowed out and allowing that emotion to just pass through naturally, which I think is, it's not that you shouldn't feel the emotion. Like if someone does something shitty to you, your body is having a response because what they did was shitty. But if you hold on to that, then all of a sudden you've now swallowed the poison yourself and you're poisoning yourself versus the hollow bone where you just acknowledge, oh, wow, the Alex feels anger right now. Interesting. Okay. Is what I'm angry about reasonable? Maybe it actually is. You know, that guy just was mean to my girlfriend for no reason. Okay. Interesting. All right, now I'm not holding on to it. Let me pass that through. And then I can continue to be an open vessel that's not holding on to these things. And I think the techniques you're talking about, meditation, being in nature, are an easy, I shouldn't say easy, a hack to drop into that state of openness, receptivity, and to kind of 
pass some of those negative things through you. And I mean, we see this too, like with some of the new science that's coming out about how, how traumatic experiences actually lodge themselves in the body somatically. It's, oh, it literally physically is getting lodged in your body somewhere. And to allow that stuff to pass through is part of the healing process. So it's a endlessly interesting topic to me for sure. Yeah, I really like that too. And um, so the psychosomatic relationship is a real thing. So as we have these traumas that occurred at some point in time, whether they're acute or cumulative, um, this is something that is subconsciously rooted in our mind. And if it's not addressed, it'll manifest as a physical disease or an injury or anything of the sort, because you're right, it is lodged in our body. So something else you said, which is really important, is it's not about denying the emotion, right? We have to look at the emotion. We have to like fully feel the emotion. But what often happens is when people feel anxious or depressed or sad or whatever, or yet jealousy, it goes on and on. We suppress these things hmm. rather than addressing them fully, right? And as we continue to sweep shit under the rug, that mound just gets bigger and bigger until something happens, right? And, and until you get evicted from your apartment because you got this big lump in the rug. Mm -hmm. um, but these processes of meditation and introspection and plant medicines and uh, things like circling, I love circling, really allow us to look at these things that we've suppressed. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, people don't, begin to do the work until later in their life. So it's like, what if we introduce these tools to younger people, to children, to like be able to identify their emotions yeah. and prevent that accumulation of gunk? Like think about how far we would progress as a society if mm -hmm. people were not in that re reactivity because these emotions carry wisdom. Mm -hmm. They indicate to us that there is something um, that's not right that's that's wrong with the situation and then it's like okay so why is this emotion affecting me and we don't figure that out by being reactive right by giving the guy the bird as he cuts us off in traffic mm -hmm. but kind of creating that introspection and being like all right well why does that actually bother me and meditation is a perfect tool to create that stopgap or or create a distance between the emotion and the reaction. So the reaction actually becomes a response, an mm -hmm. intentional response. Yeah, I think it's such a, <clears throat> it's an important concept because I think that it's not to, <clears throat> it's not to deny the validity of some emotions because there are, I've gone through this process many times myself where it's like, I get to the bottom of why I'm feeling an emotion and it's a super valid reason. It's like, oh, that person was completely inconsiderate of others' feelings. They did this, this, and this. And it's like, okay, logical, valid reasons. But it, it's so interesting that as you arrive at the basis of why you're feeling the emotion, that the emotion then evaporates. It's like it's been acknowledged. It's been seen. It's like a little kid that's crying out. And then you go, hey, buddy, you doing okay in there? yeah, I guess I'm okay. And then all of a sudden, just that emotion will pass through. And I think our society is designed for us to numb those emotions in so many ways. And our one of our coaches for Fit for Service, Eric Godsey, um, 
had this super powerful exercise that really helped me to identify some of this, but he just suggested carrying around a note card and this was specific. So I was doing this cause like I totally use sugar as my numbing agent or did for a long time, still do occasionally. And he was like, just carry around a note card. And after, after you eat something, you know, you shouldn't have just write down what you were feeling right before that. And it was so interesting to uncover like, okay, I know what my habit to numb is, but I had no idea what I was trying to numb. And as I wrote down what I was feeling, what I found out was that every time I had to have like a difficult conversation with someone where I kind of had to be like the assertive, uh, asshole to tell someone some bad news or kind of like give some uncomfortable feedback of like hey you really fucked up on this thing you can't do that again that doesn't work I would immediately numb with food and at the bottom of that was I was super super fearful of that person not liking me or not loving me so every time I'd be experiencing this uncomfortable emotion instead of acknowledging that I would find a way to produce a state of being, a sugar high, and then go into that instead, instead of processing the emotion. And it's like once I traced it back, it's like, oh, how much of my life have I lived this way? <laughs> and it's been super powerful to start to unlock because you can start to see all these little patterns that you run unconsciously where it's like, oh, it's almost, it's almost like you're a bumper car except that you can't see the other cars. And so you're just driving around and all of a sudden you go and you're bashed off to one side. You're like, what the fuck was that? Why did I do that thing? And then you're bashed the other way. What the fuck was that? Why am I over there? And then as you start to do some of this work, you start to see the other cars. Oh, that's fucking my inadequacy issues from when I was four <laughs> popping up right now because this person is causing that emotional response in me oh that explains why i went and smoked weed 20 minutes after that it's all coming together yeah i, I think uh, that's a great recognition you had of your own habits and behavior and that's really what it's all about um we all have these conditionings and um you know we're we're quite often a product of our environment and without being aware individuals and being conscious of these things our product will never be or sorry our environment will never be a product of ourselves and that's ultimately what we want we don't want to be just like mm, we want to be in control of our ship rather than just getting smashed around by the waves all the time right and yeah I definitely reach to food. I'm, a, I'm an emotional eater as well. I recognize this. And people in general are always trying to ameliorate or sedate, right? So whatever our present state is, if it's not pleasant, then what can we do to change it? And so people try to sedate it through things like weed and alcohol or ameliorate through food, right? Or sex or whatever the behavior or substance mm -hmm. is but really it's an inability to be with what is present, right? And that is the process of suppression rather than facing these things, these thoughts, these emotions, these conversations, right? Um, and what I've learned is that in addressing these things, it's so liberating. It's such a progressive experience where it's almost like you level up and then it's like, okay, well now I have, 
greater awareness or my relationship with this person is better. I voiced the feelings that I was uh, experiencing in regards to them. And now that I voice them, they're no longer there. And we could kind of like connect on a deeper level. I had this experience with, uh, with Wyatt in, mm. in the group this year. He had a behavior pattern that I didn't like and I could feel this energetic disconnect. Mm. And so rather than allow that to persist, I just said, hey man, can I talk to you? I said, I told him where I was at. He told me where he was at. And in, in the end, we left with a much greater appreciation for one another. Mm. It was a really beautiful moment. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think it, it's, it touches on the tro- topic that I want to get into in this, in this podcast anyways, which is the topic of truth and how I think that, so tell me if you found the same thing I have, but the more I actually just speak truth, the, I like have more energy, I'm just more lit up, more good ideas come to me. And what I think it is, is that when we run these little programs, like say you hadn't spoken up to him and hadn't say some, said something, then you're using 1% of your brain power all day interacting you know, near and around him. 1% of your brain power is just sitting there, used up, going, you didn't say the thing you know you should have said to him. And maybe even, fuck that guy. <laughs> Screw that guy. And these truthful conversations and being truthful both with others around you, but also with yourself, it frees up so much brain power. It frees up all of this. It's like you're a, you're a hot air balloon and all of the uh, sandbags on the side are all the little like spots where maybe you haven't been completely truthful. You haven't told someone what you thought you haven't expressed to yourself what you're actually feeling. And it's like, you untie that and Whoa, holy shit. <laughs> Continue to go up. Yeah. I, I love the analogy. Um, and it's so accurate um, because something I touched on earlier is our responsibility is to be in our truth in being in our truth. We have this relationship with ourselves, a clear understanding of who we are, and we could really kind of take uh, agency over the direction of our life. But you're right, it takes a lot of uh, mental bandwidth to manage the things we're not saying, right? So, I mean, I think we should abide by uh, Rumi's three gates. So before we say anything, is it kind, is it necessary, and is it true, right? So it's not like we go around and telling people that you don't like their dress or their, mm-hmm. their butt looks big because that's not going to get you anywhere. But if there's something productive to be had in the conversation, um, then it's certainly worth having, even mm-hmm. if it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, a really functional example is I had, uh, I live away from my family. I've lived away from my family for 12 years since I moved out west to the mountains. They're back in Ontario. And I felt a disconnect from my family because I felt that we weren't communicating on any level of depth. We didn't have a connection of depth. Um, and that was a product of not being open and vulnerable in our discussion, mm. in our interaction. And it's harder to do over time as I spend more and more time away from them. So I just uh, initiated a circle share with them or a sharing circle. And I just said, listen, this is where I'm at. This is how I perceive us to be communicating. And I feel that we could have such a better shared experience 
if we were to try something else a little mm. bit different, perhaps in this way. And um, that was my responsibility to share that truth with them. Had mm. I gone on and not said that, then nothing could have changed. And also I would have that burden. I would have that running in my subconscious, the fact that I wasn't being honest with my family. Yeah. So yeah, it was a really a great moment for me and us. And I presented this other option to them and it's, it's, they don't have to take it, but at least I have fulfilled my responsibility. Mm. It's super powerful. And I definitely applaud you because it's with family. It's the hardest spot to do it for most of us. And I think even on just that first gate of, is it kind, it's important for people, and you touched on this, it's important for people to remember that, is it kind is a question of what frame of time are you talking? Because if I tell you something that is kind right now in this moment, but isn't kind for the next year, that's totally different. And to give a concrete example of that, like, let's say you're really bad at writing, which you're not, but you know, let's say you're bad at writing. And in the moment right now, I could tell you something kind and say like, oh yeah, you're really good at writing and that'll make you feel good. And that'll make me feel good for giving you a compliment. But then over the course of the next year, you go down the path of trying to become a famous writer and you just keep running into roadblocks and things keep falling apart and you can't get it right. Well, I wasn't kind to you in the, in the frame of a full year, because if I was, I would give you the critical feedback you maybe needed to improve, but I chose the easy path and wanted to be nice instead. And it's, it's important to remember that what is kind is not always what is nice, but it is often what someone needs to hear for their growth and then to touch on just how can you separate your emotions because you never want to be what i find for me is i never want to be trying to speak my truth when i am emotionally charged about what the truth is because then even if the truth is true i may speak it in a way that is untrue if i'm angry and i go well you fucking never pick up the dishes God. it's like that's totally different than hey i'd really appreciate it if you could help me in picking up the dishes so yeah actually that brings to mind um this really cool fable and i can't remember where i heard it but i will share it because it's badass so there is this this samurai and he was like an assassin and his job was to go out and kill all the bad people so one day he sneaks into the bad guy's compound, you know, and, and tiptoes into his room and suddenly he's face to face with the bad guy. The bad guy didn't even know he, he was there, you know. He did his ninja stuff and tiptoed right up on him. And uh, the bad guy is startled and he steps back and the samurai reaches for his sword. And in that moment, the bad guy spits in his face. And the samurai startled, he takes a step back and then he resheaths his sword and runs away. And the bad guy just starts laughing. He's like, you're brave and you're courageous. You came to kill me and I spit in your face and you run away. So a day goes by 
and the samurai comes back, breaks into the compound, sneaks into the room, confronts the bad guy, reaches for his sword, and the bad guy spits in his face again. And this time he unseats his sword and the bad guy is terrified. He's like, yesterday I spat in your face and you ran away. And the samurai says, yesterday I got mad. And then he cuts off his head. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to your point, if we're, if we are acting out of anger or any emotion, if emotion is driving the action, then it's out of integrity. It's out of alignment. Mm. Absolutely. I think it, it, this could go so many different ways, but it touches on the, the fact or the idea, I should say, that the primary thing you should be doing for yourself is knowing yourself better so that you, the more self-awareness you can have, the more you can know what you are acting out of. And the better you know yourself and the more you allow you to wake up, the less often you'll be running an unconscious program of anger or sadness or hurt or running away from a trauma. And the more often you can be running a program of true expression of what you feel and why you feel it. And I find that when I express my most vulnerable and raw and eloquent truth i don't think i've had it land poorly a single time and that's not to say that it never would but i think there is something that will resonate in the person you are speaking to when they see that you are coming from a genuine place of not being defensive not trying to place blame but just your genuine truth of the thing that happened made me feel this way. What do you think? And that person will go, oh, you're not, you're not trying to like pin this on me. You're, you're opening up about how you truly genuinely feel. And I think the less, less filters we have in front of that, the more, the more easily it's able to get the other person to open up about what they maybe feel in that situation. And that gives you more data for more feedback of okay, was what I was thinking reasonable? Did it make sense or did it not make sense? Because oftentimes we create these stories in our head that we tell ourselves that are just not <clears throat> not accurate, not true to life. And then someone else can be the key that unlocks like, oh, wow, I didn't think about it that way. Totally, yeah. These stories we fabricate are so, they're such fantasy, you know? And I think you touched on something really important. It's how we present that. So um, rather than going up to something being like, you make me feel this way. And it's like, well, no, that's not the case. It's rather than say it that way, we could say, when you do this, part of me feels this way, mm. right? So it's kind of taking ownership for our own um, responses, internal responses, rather than um, projecting the blame or the responsibility on somebody else, right? And, and often what comes of that conversation is that person A had no intention of making person B feeling that way. It was this weird association that was fabricated in the story, right? Um, but yeah, I commend you on going into that space of vulnerability and being able to open up and, and be authentic and 
you know, quite often vulnerability is associated with our emotions and expressing our emotions. And as men, culturally, mm-hmm. we are not taught to do this. So we're trying Definitely to decondition <laughs> like generations of patterning. And it's, it's such a sad thing because we're told that it's not manly to cry. It's not manly to be vulnerable. And I think that vulnerability is actually courageous, right? I, I think it is a display of strength. And I was able to begin the deconditioning at the beginning of the year when I started to attend a men's circle. And I remember that first experience, there was one, there's two people in the group that I knew. And I think there was about eight or nine people in total. Mm. And um, it's this incredible thing when, when you recognize that other people are holding space for you. So what that means is that they are entirely present. And they will sit there and listen to whatever whatever it is you have to say. And not only that, they will encourage you to go deeper. Mm-hmm. So quite often we present this surface layer problem and it's like, okay, well, that's not actually what's bringing up all this emotion. And then you dive deeper and you get to the root of the matter. Um, and it was such potent medicine for me. Mm-hmm. And in that first um, experience I cried like I was I cried in front of all these strangers all these men I didn't know and there was a lot of reasons for that first of all I felt seen and heard and appreciated um I was able to really dive internally and see what was going on in my experience and then also it was a recognition of what I had been lacking my entire life this community this form of communication this form of compassion and support for one another for our brothers and uh, the act of circling i think is something that could really move us forward as a society and this doesn't just have to be men's circles there's also women's Mm -hmm. circles and there's co-ed circles but really it's the process of um authentic relating Mm -hmm. fully seeing somebody fully listening to somebody as opposed to what we do in uh, our, our normal lives when we're just like rushing from one task to a nest to the next. And we're like, Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Mm-hmm. And first of all, that question isn't sincere. And in recognizing the lack of sincerity, person B just says like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Rather than actually taking a look internally and being like, Oh, am I good? And there's the process of suppression right there. Right. I want to touch on like three things you said there. So in, in order, first that I love the languaging you put around it originally of a part of me is feeling this because I think it's super, super, the way we speak things into existence is super, super powerful. And science is showing this more and more every day, but the way you talk to yourself and the way you talk out loud is like a key indicator of your mental state. So just the languaging of a part of me feel sad because you did this acknowledges inherently that I am not in my entirety a sad, depressed person. A part of me is currently expressing its sadness. And I think that takes away a lot of the the raw edge that we can often get so caught up in our emotions where we like, am I just like, am I a shitty person? Like, do I just suck? Like, no, a part of me did something that I don't believe fits with my normal moral code and I should address that part, but that's not the entirety of my being. Um, the second thing I want to touch on is the, I think that the 
power and men's circles, women's circles, a large part of the power I've noticed is that it takes away at least some of the competing. And this may be, I think it's a men and a women thing, but I think this may manifest more, more prevalent in men that if it's a co-ed circle, every guy is running two programs. They're running, I'm talking to people, but they're also running a program of how can I jockey my position here to be the number one guy that the other women in the circle are looking at. And the power that I found in just like circling with men is that all of a sudden it takes away that part of the program. At least there's still other little power games that guys play with each other, but you know, that's just, that's everyone. But it's like when you take away that part of the program and you can be really, really vulnerable and open up, it's so beautiful how other people are having the exact same experience as you. And no matter what your outward perception of them is, so often they're like in the middle of the same fucking emotions. <laughs> like I remember one time, <laughs> this is such an off the wall story, but there was a guy that I knew when I was like 18. And he had slept with one of my ex-girlfriends. And just the way I perceived this guy, I was like, this dude's got to be the biggest pimp in the entire world. He's just fucking killing it. And I'm just like over here, sad and alone, like, oh my God. And I ended up becoming friends with the guy a little bit later on, like a year after that. And what I started to realize, like, A, he wasn't killing it at all. That was like a one-off that just happened to happen. And B, that like he was feeling the same exact emotions of insecurity about me. And I was just like, oh. And that like just was the first thing to take the veil off my eyes just a little bit to go, holy shit. That, okay, I saw that person one way, but they were totally a different way than how I saw them. And hmm, interesting. Um, third point to touch on would just be explain circling. Explain authentic relating in depth so people have sort of a tool in their toolkit to maybe create their own circle at home or to even just have a a better way to step into communication with their friends their family their loved ones yeah certainly um yeah i will touch on that story you said um briefly because there's so many parallels in the human experience so we think we are having this completely unique separate experience but really there's a great likelihood that whatever you're going through that other person who seems to have nothing in common with you has experienced the same thing at some point in their journey right so the relatability and the compassion is super important knowing that we're all kind of in this together and we all have the same human struggles Right, and that's something that could really bring us together. Circling is the process of sitting in a circle, and there's like specific questions or prompts that can be provided to get the kind of introspection going. So I could share um, my format that I was a part of um, in Calgary. So I don't have a ton of experience, but there's all sorts of uh, information and documentation online and instruction that people can look up 
However, in my men's circle, what we like to do was we had a initial check-in. So there was, uh, you know, anywhere from six to nine of us on any given night. And the cues were, how are you feeling physically? How are you feeling emotionally? And what is current in your experience, right? So that could be pertaining to something, something emotional that happened over the course of the week or something that the individual was struggling with. And really the first two prompts are to allow the person to settle into the present moment, right? And then it's like, all right, so what surfaces from that? What is the loop in my mind that is running continuously that I need to close so that I can move forward? And these opening shares were uh, usually around three minutes, no more than five minutes. And the rest of the group wouldn't offer any feedback. So in hearing our own dialogue and expression and story and having that just go into the void without instant acknowledgement or validation, it allows the individual to see what is, what's behind that, mm -hmm. right? So we're no longer telling the story for the recognition of others. We're just like seeing what our truth is. So that process would uh, go around the circle. Each person would have their opening share. And then usually after that, there was a um, open space of discussion where maintaining the integrity of the circle in the sense of being in the present moment, moment with the emotions that arise, people could inquire about other people's shares. So I could be like, Alex, uh, in hearing you say this, I, I you know, I felt this, uh, this stirring in my stomach and it brought up this curiosity about what you were sharing. Can you tell me more about that? Right. And so it's really kind of like diving into the experience at hand, but also there seems to be this like really natural organic energy flow where the members of the circle recognize the person who needs attention because they are dealing with something. Mm -hmm. And as people start to like inquire more, that's when the layers peel back and you get to a level of depth where you can see the root of the problem. And there's so many breakthroughs, like mm -hmm. every, like uh, I was definitely the fucking crier. I cried mm -hmm. at like every single circle, but that's because there was so much, um, uh, emotion and authenticity hmm. and it was so foreign to me because um, that's not usually how I relate to people or how hmm. I haven't been for the majority of my life um, so yeah a really incredible powerful tool and there's all sorts of different exercises within that and part of the experience comes from authentic relating and again hmm. people could look this up for greater detail but it's something that we were kind of uh, touching on already so in you and I sitting here having a discussion, I could just notice what is coming up in my experience. So whether that, I mean, our experience is on three different levels, our, um, you know, our, our mental level, our emotional level, and then our spiritual level, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and also like viscerally, what are we experiencing in our body, right? Mm -hmm. So something is going to come to our awareness, whether it's a thought, uh, a feeling, or an emotion, or a sensation, and so in just observing that, like I can sit here and say that I, f I feel tension in my shoulder and then Alex can respond in hearing that I notice whatever comes up. Hmm. And this is, 
again, a process of kind of getting deeper into the present experience. And in part, it's liberating because you recognize that what I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing has nothing to do with what you're experiencing, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And as opposed to what we do on uh, a regular basis where we walk through life and we're like, oh, this person is thinking this about me, but ultimately mm-hmm. that person doesn't give a shit about you. Maybe they do, but they, their experience is so separate from ours that they're not worrying about what we said or did, right? Right. And But the opposite could happen as, as well, where as person A shares, person B feels this empathy or this compassion and the, the back and forth, the rally just gets deeper and deeper hmm. until this, there's this beautiful like moment of connection. Yeah. I think it's a, another incredible tool. Super powerful. And it's something that we did in Toronto during the retreat there. And I think to take two steps back to take three steps forward here there are probably people listening who go like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, And I would just invite those people that are thinking that because that is sort of my normal programming to be so logic driven that I, you know, maybe don't open myself up to some of these things. But imagine, you know, let's say a girlfriend or a boyfriend just told you that they cheated on you. What does that feel like in your physical body? Well, it feels like you got punched in the gut. There's a very visceral physical feeling. And as you acknowledge that feeling you start to realize like, okay well, it's right there huh let me get curious about what this feels and this is the process you're describing and what i found so powerful in it is the it's doing a few things at once it's allowing you to draw awareness to your own physical emotional mental spiritual reaction to what someone else is saying um, which gives a ton of awareness immediately. You're like, okay, that person's just telling me a story about their day, but I am feeling annoyance and I am feeling like my heart's beating faster. Huh. Interesting. Let's dig into that. And it also gives you the perspective. And as you touched on, it gives you the perspective of how, how little what we think how little of what we're saying to someone else is landing on them in the exact way that we think or intend and that for me was like one of the most powerful parts of the workshop where i'm like oh i'm saying this with full good intentions and like i pride myself on being a pretty good communicator because it's something i've worked on for my whole life but even in all that practice the way that I say something to someone is never going to land exactly the way that I was thinking for it to land. And just the acknowledgement there to get curious then like, okay, well, what did that have come up for you? Oh, well, that made me feel this way. Oh, interesting. Huh? That's not how I meant it, but okay, fair enough. That makes me feel this way. And it's just such a open process that can, really create this feedback loop that it's surprising or maybe not surprising, but was surprising to me how quickly it gets like 10 levels deep. And it's like, Oh, and in hearing that, I remember about when I was four and I lost my parents. Whoa. In hearing that I feel. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's so, it's so beautiful. Um, Cause there, I I think it almost cultivates compassion to a certain extent. Hmm. And that's something that we're lacking as a society. So I do encourage people to try. And so much to your point, like it 
allows us to fine-tune how we communicate, right? Because I think a, a great injustice occurs or we perceive a great injustice when our intention wasn't received how it was intended, yeah. right? So if we're going out and trying to do something kind, perhaps it was in, in sharing a truth and then the other person is like taken aback and like perhaps hurt in the extreme situation. So where's that gap there, right? Between um, me wanting to lift you up and by mistake, I completely destroyed you. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, we got to discuss this. We got to mm -hmm. get on the same page here. But that's kind of the uncomfortable space that people are conditioned to not go into. Absolutely. I think it's, it's interesting how much of our reaction is just based off of like these situations can drive themselves into a negative feedback loop so quickly simply because you say something, someone reacts in a way you didn't expect. And then if you're not aware of this fact that like the way you intended something does not mean it'll be received that way, then all of a sudden you spin yourself right into the loop. You say, hey, that you look like you've lost weight. And the person goes, did I, did I look fat to you before? And then immediately like, uh, hey, what's wrong with you? I was giving you a compliment. And all of a sudden you're like caught into it because you didn't have this awareness of like, oh, the way I said that, maybe it was a little too like aggressive or maybe it was a little too just like not observant to the fact that the person fucking has cancer and I didn't notice. And like it it's just interest it's always interesting to get more curious about the way that things that you say have ripples into the people you're speaking to that you don't intend and they're filtered by their own traumas their own experiences their own life and the more people can think about that the more you can realize that like someone's reaction to things you're saying is probably 50% to do with you and 50% to do with them and maybe it's even more skewed than that but they if i if i say to you like you know disciplining your child with a belt is totally okay if you're someone that grew up getting the absolute shit beat out of you with a belt you're like dude fuck you what's wrong with you but if you're someone that grew up with the filter of you know gentle slap on the ass with a belt when you've like you accidentally killed the family dog you're like fair enough makes sense <laughs> so it's just the funny example <laughs> but it uh it's just interesting that we we spend so little time thinking about how how much each person is living in their own unique world and while that world is very similar to ours it maybe is a very different filter through which they're receiving whatever we're telling them. Yeah, yeah, and so it all begins with awareness, like, and we have to stop taking things so goddamn personally, mm -hmm. right? Like, at Absolutely. best, other people are uh, a mirror for what we're experiencing, mm -hmm. right? But they, what they perceive my experience to be does not dictate my experience, right? But taking onus for our experience and walking around in a, a state of uh, openness, right? And with a smile on her face and it creates this vibration, which is now being um, quantified and has been for, for a while, 
Um, but a lot of people thought it was like woo-woo or spiritual, but we do actually hold a frequency individually and collectively to the point where, you know, uh, a perfect example is the tuning fork example, which I love. Um, and you've heard me say before, but if you take a tuning fork and you bring it next to another one, so if tuning fork A is ringing and you bring it next to the second one without even making physical contact, it's going to pick up that frequency and begin to ring and then continue to ring as soon even when you bring tuning fork a away from it mm. so this is kind of analogous to how we affect one another so our vibration our emotion our state of being that we present to the world has an affect on the world mm -hmm. and um we need to be aware of this because if we're walking around miserable all the time and then like the people around us are miserable and then that's mm. perpetuating our miserable experience. It's like, okay, well, what the hell's wrong with everybody? Well, maybe you're the problem. Maybe right. you, maybe you need to just like wake up and smile and practice gratitude and be appreciative for this beautiful experience. And this is like, so something I heard the, the other day and I don't know much about it, but there's these like random number machines spread throughout the world. Mm. And so they just generate random patterns of numbers. And this is like a super long sequence of numbers. And when there's these global events that are, um, that have a, a certain degree of magnitude, it changes the patterns in these mm. number machines so that it becomes like um, more identifiable, less random, mm. right? So the example that they were using um, was, the 9-11 event hmm. and that was such had such an impact on the world that these number machines were aligning it in similar patterns with one another from remote places hmm. and so this is an indication of like the global vibration the global frequency that does exist that we are all in some way a part of right so it's like some people believe that they can't change the world, but you could actually do your part simply by working on yourself and trying to be a whole and happy individual. Right. Well, I was talking to one of our mutual friends who I, I won't, uh, I won't name, but one of our mutual friends and just, we were having a really good conversation about that. We don't see the ripples that we create and that he is a kid and that while he may to treat every moment with his kid as a moment to make a positive ripple because we don't know, we don't see the effect 20 years down the road. His kid may be the one who designs the spaceship that saves humanity from the asteroid that was gonna hit the earth. We don't know. Or his kid could be the next Hitler because he sent negative ripples to the kid. We too often, I, too often dismiss the importance of the little moments to create a positive ripple, to create a positive vibration that another tuning fork can catch. And too often I only focus on the grand vision of, oh, I'm gonna do this big, amazing thing. But it's like, no, it's that too. But in these little moments, we are every day having a thousand chances to cause a ripple. And how can we grasp those chances more effectively as we've been talking about? It's just that self-awareness and how can I get clear and open in my being so that I can be this empty, hollow, 
receptacle to hold space and receive in every little moment. It could be the cashier at the grocery store that you just have a moment of presence with and you're in, you ask, how are you? But instead of asking like, yeah, how are you? And they're like, good. You ask, hey, really, how are you doing? And they go, you know what? I've had a really, really bad day. My girlfriend broke up with me. Life just doesn't seem great right now. And you go, yeah, man, fucking been there. Hope things get better for you. They will eventually. Like, you don't know. You may have saved that person's life, every interaction you have. And then you may have saved their life. And the ripple effect is that they go, fuck, one person showed me kindness when I needed it. And then they show 20 other people kindness. And those 20 other people show 20 other people. And it's just, it's too often do we underestimate the effect that we can be having in these little moments positive or negative and to try and treat each of those moments with the importance that it would be if you were signing the business deal of your life or if you were you know doing whatever amazing thing going to the olympics and trying to win a gold medal it's like you don't know when the moment in your life that was a gold medal for someone else is happening and to treat every moment i like to use that framework to try and treat every moment from that perspective because it at least gives me the the positive framework that even if I'm emotionally triggered by someone that's like, man, could this be that moment of a ripple that I could cause? Yeah, I, I think that's great, great awareness. And it kind of brings us back to the beginning of the conversation when we were speaking about how vast that spectrum is between the person who's completely self-actualized mm -hmm. and, and enlightened, if you will, to the person who is like completely down in the dumps and how they're not relatable. But suddenly you have all these micro interactions and all those people are having these micro interactions and you have now indirectly touched or affected the person at the opposite end of the spectrum, mm. right? I think that's a, a beautiful concept. And also in every given moment i mean if we live in parallel realms of infinite possibility in any given moment we have an opportunity to level up so in that brief interaction with somebody who bumps into you on the street do you tell them to go fuck themselves or do you take the opportunity to level up and be like oh sorry man have a good day hmm. right every moment is an opportunity to rise to the occasion and live our best life. We could be the hero in our story. In your story, what does the hero do in this situation? Would you rather be the hero or the villain? Absolutely. Well, sweet. I think we're drawing close to the end here. Um, so a couple, a couple questions that I always like to ask as we get near, near the end of a podcast is, what's the thing right now that is making you the most excited every morning or some mornings? What's the thing that's sort of lighting up your being that you're just like, holy shit, I am involved in this thing and it is fucking firing me up. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm taking a coaching course right now that's called Transformational Recovery and Psycho-Spiritual Integration Coaching. And in English, that means helping people recover from addictions and then also helping people integrate um, peak experiences such as plant medicines, right? So taking the lessons that uh, are learned from those experiences and then integrating them into their daily lives. 
Um, and ultimately it comes back to helping people heal themselves because I am now a firm believer that essentially everything I said in my opening words, as we come, as we heal ourselves and face our wounds and traumas and become these integrated human beings, we do rise our vibration and in rise in our vibration, we could have that uh, domino effect that we've been discussing and we could really kind of change the, the course of the whole world, I think. Mm. Powerful. And I think before I take us home here, two things. Number one, where can people find you? Instagram, Facebook, whatever you prefer. What are your handles? Yeah. On Instagram, um, it's just Kyle underscore Dow. Hit me up on there. I'm open to direct questions or comments or anything of the sort. I also have a climbing business called Hedon Rock Tours, H-E-D-O-N Rock Tours. And uh, yeah, please reach out. I would love to connect and uh, we can fight this fight in solidarity. Oh yeah. And, uh, just want to take a second. I like to end every podcast with some moments of gratitude and I just want to take a second to appreciate you, Kyle, for your depth of thought, your commitment to really spending time in silence to glean insights, and then your effectiveness at communicating those insights back to you know our community and fit for service and the world at large. I think it's super powerful and super needed, and you have a uniquely a unique gift in taking sort of very complicated or what would normally be indescribable emotions and feelings and occurrences and putting those into words that just hit home just right. So I want to take a second to honor you for that and say thank you for all that you do. Thank you, brother. Much appreciated. And uh, my um, reciprocal gratitude would be... Thank you for holding the space for people to be in their process and for people to continue along their journey as they evolve. And um, I think you're doing wonderful things and you're contributing to this shift that I speak of. You, I see you as the vigil that is uh, standing guard and making sure that we're all safe along the path. Beautiful. So I think I'll end it here. We started with your your piece that you read and this is the piece that i wrote post our experience in toronto um which was so powerful for all of us and just to get you know just a little framework for the audience we had 24 of us um from our fit for service mastermind all up in toronto to experience a beautiful weekend of just community and i think for a lot of us, it was so, so healing simply because of the community aspect of it, not to mention other things that we did while we were up there, but just being in the presence of 23 other people who are so loving and open is just like, uh, can everyday life be like this? This is amazing. And it can. It can. So this is what I wrote. As the weekend progressed, I had a vision which repeated over and over in my head, a vision of a bonfire, a blaze burning bright and hot, fueled by the collective group's commitment to the work, to truth, and to love. From this container of joy, vulnerability, and safety, we were each lit up, white hot, 
and cast into the sky as the sparks of divinity that we are. As each spark soared across the sky on its way home, there's a bright trail of light illuminated against the dark night sky, a set point of beauty to be referenced later as needed. As each soul spark settled in to its respective city, there's an opportunity, an opportunity for a new blaze to be born, a conflagration of unconditional love set alight by a single spark. And so I ask those of you who are there and those of you who are listening right now, will you continue to breathe life into your spark? Will you allow it to start first a small fire and then a blaze and then an inferno until we're able to light up the whole world? Or will you allow the light to flicker and slowly die? The work is in the integration and in the sharing. Reference the beauty made clear by that weekend and bring that back with you to your loved ones. Healed people, heal people. Loved people, love people. Your love, your light, your divine, and you are seen. Much love, Kyle. Thank you for being yeah. on. Beautiful, brother. Thank you. Love you. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I found talking to Kyle, just in general, but especially on this podcast episode, it's incredibly soothing. He's got a super, super calming presence. So I really enjoyed recording this one, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Uh, as always, you can find me on Instagram at Alexander Diesel, and you can find me anywhere your podcast player of choice if you want to listen on spotify i'm also on itunes you can look me up there and please leave a review because it really helps to grow the show and if you enjoyed this one then share it out onto instagram or onto facebook with your friends so that they can get a little bit of the goodness that was in this episode as well and other than that i hope you enjoy your day much love and i'll see you on the next one